my hope and my commitment, and Millie and I are working together right now with folks to make sure we never get back to what was accepted as the norm, that we take this opportunity to bring all of those voices together, from the teachers to the system leaders to the experts in every field, and make sure we harness every bit of American ingenuity and every commitment we have to our kids to make sure that it's a better experience, not what was, and that we move forward to what's possible, not to what was the status quo or the norm before that supports our teachers and our kids much better. That is the voice of Barrick Abramson, the director of the education program at the Keystone Policy Center. If you're like me, you're struck by his passion for delivering successful system change for our country's teachers and students. It immediately strikes you. Abramson, along with former teacher, superintendent, and Colorado State Representative Millie Hamner, whose passion is equal to Abramson's, leads all of Keystone's education initiatives. Perhaps like no other institution, our education system has been overwhelmed by the COVID-19 pandemic. We as a nation failed to prepare school districts across the country for such a devastating event and have been playing catch-up ever since the spring of 2020. Teachers have heroically delivered an education to our nation's students while simultaneously bearing the brunt of new responsibilities they never could have anticipated, let alone trained for. I saw this firsthand in my own family as my mother, a 30-year educator, had to wrestle with a no-win decision on how or even whether to continue her career. These next two episodes of Keynotes will highlight some of the new realities in education and how Keystone's work is addressing those realities. This two-episode education series will first examine the long-term vision of education in Colorado and the work being done to make that vision a reality. The second episode, which will air in two weeks, focuses on the more immediate impact and what we are doing to provide system change to better support our teachers and students in the wake of a catastrophic disruption like a pandemic. By now you know Keystone's ethos centers on leaders of different perspectives working together to make long-standing impact. For today's episode, I'm going to tell you a story about just that. And it starts with two elected representatives in the Colorado State Legislature. Bob Rankin is a Republican and also currently a member of the Colorado State Senate. But prior to joining the Senate, he served as a member of the Colorado House of Representatives. During the 2015 legislative session, Rankin served on the Joint Budget Committee alongside a Democratic representative named Millie Hamner, who was vice chair of the committee at the time. I've already mentioned Hamner's name in this podcast today, and she is currently a senior policy director for the Keystone Policy Center in our education program. As I've also already mentioned, prior to her service in the legislature and at Keystone, she served as a teacher, a school and district leader, and a superintendent of schools. Both Rankin and Hamner share an interest in education, and after serving together on the Joint Budget Committee in 2015, decided to team up to find ways to address the complicated financing formula for education in Colorado. Here's Rankin. She and I... Uh, went on to the Joint Budget Committee in 15, the first session year, I believe. And we were both very interested in rural education and and particularly the funding formula as it related to fair allocation of funds uh, to rural Colorado. So we started there and then we ran a series of early morning seminars during the session with legislators, I believe in the 16th session, and we were trying to uh, increase the overall knowledge of legislators about school finance and particularly rural. 
Hamner explains that the goals and frustrations she shared with Rankin over education funding created the common ground that brought them both together, despite being from opposite sides of the political aisle, to see what they could do to accomplish on these education issues. And Senator Rankin and I always worked really closely together, which is really a a cool partnership uh, between the Republican and Democrat leadership in the House. Um, And it's actually a model, I think, that would work uh, just about everywhere. But we became so frustrated with our inability to move forward with school finance reform that we realized we really needed to take a step back and look at why um, funding measures were not passing statewide. You heard Rankin previously allude to the early morning seminars that he and Hamner attempted to set up. The seminars were one of several initiatives and legislative efforts he and Hamner attempted together. But it began to become evident that the legislature may not have been the most effective venue to answer the call on addressing the long-term issues in education. Rankin explains more. What school finance and schools overall needed was a bigger picture of what we were trying to accomplish, that is, a vision for the future, because the citizens of Colorado had repeatedly turned down ballot initiatives to increase funding, and, and the citizens were unwilling to, uh, you know, pass ballot initiatives fund that. So we said, okay, you know, we really need to be able to describe where it is we're going, what it is people would pay for. And that was part of the thinking. So that led to us thinking that, the system and the legislature needed to state a vision, a vision for education. We actually had a bill in the 17th session, and it said that we would form an uh, interim committee working group to come up with a vision. Well, it turns out that the legislature is no place to think visionary. You know, it's a, it's a two-year, it's a two-year focus at best. The 2017 legislation Rankin is referencing was a bill to establish a committee that would be tasked with setting a vision of education for Colorado. The committee would basically revive a previously established initiative called the Education Leadership Council, or ELC, which at the time was dormant. As Rankin said, the legislation failed, and Hamner admits that her frustration at the time was growing. Senator Rankin and I worked really hard to create legislation that would put the Education Leadership Council and this visioning work in place. And um, just because how of the complexity of getting a bill, uh, you know, to the governor's desk to sign, uh, we were not successful. And uh, while I was really, really disappointed uh, to the point of despair, thinking, oh my goodness, (laughs) Uh, really, after all these efforts of trying to fix the funding mechanism for schools and then trying to create uh, the vision that people could buy into, We failed. And uh, sometimes it's through failure that we learn how to pick up the pieces and move forward. With the legislature not serving as the venue to set a long-term vision of education for the state, Hamner and Rankin pivoted their focus and inquired with the lieutenant governor at the time about reactivating the ELC through the governor's office. So that very day that our bill failed, um, I walked over to then Representative Hamner's desk and I said, let's go see the lieutenant governor, whose name was Donna Lynn at the time, because she had been interested in what we were doing um, with our informal working group and our bill. And she wanted to resurrect something called the Education Leadership Council. That was I maybe 10 years old, but hadn't met in five years. So it was 
you know, just not an active thing, but it was still on the books. And so we went and talked to uh, Lieutenant Governor Donna Lynn, and <clears throat> together we reached out to then, then Governor Hickenlooper and asked him to write to, to sponsor an executive order and sponsor the resurrection of this ELC. Hamner and Rankin both believe that in order for this new iteration of the ELC to be effective, it was critical for it to be bipartisan and inclusive. She embraced it and provided the leadership that was needed to move forward. Senator Rankin then, he was Representative Rankin at the time, became one of the co-chairs with the um, Commissioner of Education. And from the beginning, it was really important that this effort was seen as being bipartisan, inclusive, and that really is one of the unique aspects of the Education Leadership Council. It really is the only uh, group in the entire state that is has members appointed by the governor's office, that has legislators from both political parties, that includes early childhood, K-12, and higher education leadership and, um, and practitioners coming together around this common vision. So it really is a unique group. And I really credit the Lieutenant Governor's Office for stepping up at the time. The new iteration of the ELC was established in 2017 to develop a unified nonpartisan blueprint for Colorado's education system. It is composed of 25 leaders, all of whom are appointed by the governor. The members span the political spectrum and represent a variety of sectors, including early childhood services, education, business, and government. From 2017 to 2018, the ELC convened thousands of stakeholders across the state to develop a vision that would eventually be outlined in a final report called the State of Education. We wrote this report uh, called the State of Education that was meant to say Colorado will become the State of Education. And that has been, I believe, pretty instrumental. The intent of that was number of things. One was to influence current legislation so that it would focus on future vision. And the other was to start to do outreach to convince the uh, citizens of Colorado that we really were going in a direction to fix some of the major elements. We had, at the start of that, we kind of looked, you know, we had, uh, we, we really analyzed the, um, what were the big problems? Because the way I view a vision, it's an imagination of what we ought to have and what we would like to have in the state. And then you back away from that to a plan, you know, that, that starts to get you to the vision. Hamner ultimately decided not to run for re-election in 2018, but she didn't stay away for long. Hamner joined the Keystone Policy Center in 2019 to help lead some of the initiatives in our education program which brought her right back to the ELC, which is currently facilitated by Keystone, as we work to help implement the vision laid out in the State of Education report. To really get Coloradans motivated about what was going on in their schools and to support them with adequate funding, we really needed to engage the public in, in Colorado throughout the state um, to help them understand not only the challenges going on in all the school districts, but the amazing success stories that school districts were achieving, that if we could help create a shared understanding and vision of what our schools were trying to do and what they needed in order to get every child ready for success later in life, that they, uh, that they these kind of conversations and this kind of energy would naturally bring Coloradans together into the table to help us move forward. 
At this point in the story, it's important to remember the foundational purpose of the ELC to set that long-term vision for education for the state. The ELC is a distinctive entity from a legislative initiative that is uniquely positioned to run the marathon of educational transformation, not the short-term sprint that is often upended by more immediate legislative objectives. Barrick Abramson helps explain the ELC's distinctiveness. But fundamentally, the ELC is about that shared vision that was established over a number of years. And I think what it enables is for the leaders to come together. Right now, it's co-chaired by Senator Rankin, by Commissioner Anthes, uh, and then the governor's office has representatives on it who help steer it. Um, those people are all under tremendous pressure right now to deal with what we're seeing in, in the pandemic. So they're getting the pressure to deal with what's happening today, what's happening tomorrow. But the ELC is one of the few places where they can come together and say, in this space, my directive is not today and tomorrow. It's to learn from today and tomorrow for the future. So I think it's something that Colorado was smart to set up, and I think a lot of states would be well served to replicate that model. That long-term vision allows the ELC to be nimble during times of transition while always moving forward to reach its goal to make Colorado the state of education. As one example, Colorado has elected a new governor since the ELC's revitalization. The new governor, Jared Polis, kept the work of the ELC moving forward, asking it only to incorporate four priority areas as it works towards implementing the visioning framework. Those priority areas are literacy, early childhood education, improving high school transitions, and developing community partnerships. Ali Kimmel, the Deputy Legislative Director for Colorado Governor Jared Polis, explains more. One of the first documents that we got when we when we became an administration or when the governor became governor and I started working for him um, was the Education Leadership Council report. And so it meant a lot to us that there was a lot of research that went into and a lot of conversations that, that really went into developing that um, because it was sort of a roadmap that we could use to drive our decisions. And one of the things that was really important to the governor was that we had some degree of continuity with the Education Leadership Council because we didn't want all of that good work, which sort of presented itself on our on our lap when the governor started to go to waste. And so we, we like the idea that we were able to continue that work and really build on it over the last couple of years now. Obviously, another disruptive event the ELC has had to weather is the COVID-19 pandemic. The ELC had begun highlighting successful education initiatives from across the state and had even planned a training seminar for educators about these initiatives. It was also working on setting up funding opportunities for partnerships across the state before the pandemic hit. It was really unfortunate. Um, we uh, had all kinds of great plans for raising awareness about the work of DLC and establishing community partnerships to help improve education in all corners of Colorado and every aspect of the state. And when COVID hit, um, we drastically had to change course in terms of how to proceed with the work of the ELC. So we have continued to move forward just through um, the great commitment on the part of the members of the ELC, but also the governor's leadership and our co-chairs, Katie Anthes and Bob Rankin. We have kept the conversation going. We have pivoted. And um, the uh, work that I'm now facilitating through the governor's office with the ELC is continuing. And this is so hard when people are so busy dealing with the urgency and the immediacy of the reaction and response to COVID and how to get kids back in school. Um, it would be very easy to say, you know, this whole 
business of thinking about the vision of education should be put on the back burner, but that has not been the case. Um, people involved with the ELC and everyone with whom we've been continuing to have conversations uh, agree that now is even more important to stay focused on the future than ever before. COVID has exposed so many challenges and issues that existed in our education system from early childhood through higher education for years. And um, the ELC is now focused on learning from the most amazing uh, innovations and, and responses that school districts and teachers and communities have come together to um, in just remarkable ways. And there are amazing stories to be told of uh, not only just success, but resiliency and strength. Um, so we are going to be doing our best to reach into every community and find these success stories. We're going to dig into every aspect of uh, education in the state and find out how communities are coming together, how school districts are coming together, how teachers are leading and guiding education through this crisis. Like education as a whole, the ELC is having to navigate uncertain waters brought on by the pandemic. But its long-term vision, combined with the dedication of its members, has set the state up well to move Colorado toward becoming the state of education. But the ELC is a long-term process. What about now? How has the education system responded to COVID? And what do we need to do to make that system more resilient to future disruptions and better support our educators and students? Well, Keystone is working on that too. On the next episode of Keynotes, which as I mentioned before, will be posted in two weeks, we talk about education resiliency. Uh, can you imagine the drastic change that they had to implement practically overnight to go from an experience of working with children face-to-face -face in a classroom to overnight being expected to be masters of online learning? Keynotes is a production of the Keystone Policy Center, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based out of Keystone, Colorado, which for more than 45 years has empowered leaders to reach common higher ground. This episode has been made possible by contributions from the Denver Foundation. If you would like to learn more about the Keystone Policy Center, visit our website at keystone.org.